These days, everyone and their mother has a blog. How can you create content that stands out to readers and search engines? And more importantly, how can you accomplish this efficiently? This episode, we will dive deep into how you can create compelling, clickworthy content without burning the title. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. This is Chris Dubois, CEO at Lean Labs, and I am joined today by Mallory Kuhn, who is a growth marketer and content specialist here. Uh, Mallory, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I am great. Let's uh, let's jump right in today. We are talking about blog posts and their value in B2B marketing. Uh, and so I'm going to jump right in with, uh, in your mind, what is the goal of blog content in the world of B2B marketing? Yeah, so I feel like blog content has a couple main goals, main purposes, right? So, so the obvious one is to drive traffic to your website, right? I feel like that's why a mm -hmm. lot of businesses pursue writing blog content. They're looking to, you know, get new eyeballs on the website, drive new people to their offers, their landing pages, things like that. And of course, that is one of the points of writing blog posts. Um, but I think that a, a secondary one is building trust with the people that are happening upon those blog posts, um, right? You want to not only drive traffic, but you want to attract the right traffic and then drive those readers to see you as a source of truth, a source of value in your space. Um, and right. I think that if you do your blog content the right way, you you can really accomplish that through through your content. Um, and then also you want to make a connection um, with your target audience, your target customers, your readers. Um, I think it's an advantage of that kind of longer form content where you can understand their struggles and you, you know, you can put yourself on the same side of the issue that they are and say, hey, we're looking at the same market you're looking at. Here's the things we're seeing. Are you seeing them too? Here's how we can solve them together. Um, I think that's another advantage that the blog content really has in the B2B space. Yeah, no, it's definitely good. I mean, even if you can't drive them to action in a single blog post, but you've now built the trust where they're going to keep coming back to you as that source. Yes, right. Or if they just see, valuable. you know, your your um, name again, right? Next time they're considering, if they're not even considering, you know, something that you offer right now, but they're just reading about something tangentially related to your field. Um, then when they are right. considering it, they see your name again, you know, ideally they're like, oh, I trusted these guys. You know, they they gave me this really great resource that I used for great results. And that was for free, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, okay. In your other life, you are a fiction novelist. Um, you also write a ton of content <laughs> yep. for Lean Lab. So I want to actually dive yeah. in there first and talk. Uh, what from fiction writing do you apply to your blog writing? Right? Like what skills, um, what advice can you kind of distill down to give to our audience so that they can write better content? Yeah. So I feel like these are two skill sets that seem at the same time to be completely related and not at all related, right? They're very, they're both writing, but they're very different types of writing. Um, however, I would argue that, you know, it's all about storytelling either way. Um, so being able to craft a narrative is obviously important in fiction writing, but it's just as important 
in content creation for B2B. Um, you know, your stories aren't going to be 300-page sp sprawling epics or the next great American novel, right, when you're, when you're writing B2B content. Um, but you still need to be able to take the reader through some kind of journey so that they come out changed on the other end, however small that change might be, right? Um, I think another mm -hmm. thing that um, really helps in both areas is, you know, when you're writing fiction, you have to be able to get inside of a character's head. Um, you are not writing unless you're writing an autobiography, <laughs> but you're not writing as yourself. You're writing as a different person. You need to be able to see the world through the lens of, you know, eyes that aren't yours. Um, and I think that skill is really important when writing B2B content. Um, you need to be able to, you know, not see the problem through the eyes of yourself and your company and what you offer. You need to see it through the eyes of your customers, your ideal customer profile. Um, and I think that's a skill that translates really well between the two. Um, if I had to give some advice from like a fiction writer perspective for someone that maybe doesn't come from that world but really wants to, you know, step up their content game, um, I would say think about the things that work when you're reading fiction. Think about the things that make you compelled to keep reading. Those things will carry through uh, in content creation as well. So things like tension, things like pacing. Uh, these are things a lot of times you don't necessarily think about in a blog post. Um, but they're so important. Um, and, you know, in, it's something as simple as paragraph breaks or something as, you know, kind of more more nitty gritty, like where you, you know, place those leading questions, where you open those loops in the post and when you close them. Mm. Um, I think all of that is really important to consider and will help keep people not only clicking on your blog posts, but actually dwelling on the page, reading them through. Right. Taking a note to add more sword fights to my blog <laughs> Yeah, post. perfect. A good sword fight never goes amiss. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So that's great advice for getting into your, your audience's head, being able to write for them. Um, but as marketers, we also have to appeal to the gods <laughs> yes, of Google. Yes, we do. <laughs> and so what, uh, how do you balance yeah, it? Yeah, you know, it, it can be somewhat challenging, I think, if you are trying to do everything, right? Like, so if it's kind of like, uh, to take it to a really mundane example, it's like when your house is a mess and you try to look at all of it at once and you're like, I will never get this cleaned, right? But if you start to just really begin somewhere and then focus on the things that actually matter, um, then it, it becomes clear what path you should take. So, um, you know, yes, we have to appease the Google gods. We need to, you know, write the meta descriptions how they want them to be written and we need to you know use our keywords but not too many keywords and you know do our internal links um my general rule of thumb is i am still writing for humans uh at the end of the day even if google loves a post enough to rank it early on if people aren't reading it it's not going to hold that ranking anyway so the humans are going to win out um so i prioritize for myself, I prioritize the things that Google needs that are also helpful to humans, right? So internal links, yes, that's great for SEO juice. That's also great and helpful for the reader if they really want to dive deeper into some of the related topics. Um, so I think, you know, in a meta description, right, like it, which uh, there's some debate whether Google is even <laughs> – 
putting the right meta description on the posts anymore, but assuming they are (laughs) for the sake of this conversation, um, you know, writing a great meta description is great for Google, but it's also great for someone who's skimming that results page, wondering which article is going to be answering the question that they're looking to answer. Um, So I think that's just a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Well, so let's go deeper on that, right? Part of uh, appealing to Google and the people that you're writing to is making sure that you're writing the content that yes. they're actually searching for. <laughs> um, so let's talk keyword research. What uh, what does your process look like and how, uh, I guess, how do you select and just kind of leverage the right keywords? Yeah, so this is a loaded question because keyword research is a huge part of the process, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, ultimately it's arguably the foundation upon which your entire content strategy is, is resting. <laughs> um, right. So you got to dial in. First of all, you got to dial in your topic cluster. So if you're writing for your own brand, you know, meet with people from around your organization, from sales team, from, you know, what questions are customers asking, things like that. Make sure that you know which topics you're even wanting to address with your con- uh, your content. Um, for, for us, you know, we, we write content for our clients. So uh, we will meet with the client <laughs> and we will simply ask them, you know, what we'll drill down and figure out exactly like, you know, which are the, the three, four, five, you know, clusters of content that we need to really be focusing around. Um, so that's a great place to start. Um, I also will use SEMrush, I think is a great tool um, for finding related keywords to ones that maybe, okay, maybe this keyword sounds great, but it has a difficulty rating of 85, <laughs> right? We're not going to rank for that unless we're Microsoft, right? Or, you know, something like that. So um, you really need to find something, maybe a little longer tail, a longer keyword that gets at the heart of that same question. Um, You know, even if the volume's not quite as high, if the intent is there and it really dovetails into the type of audience you're looking to reach, it can still be the right keyword. Um, You just really have to balance that. Um, I also think uh, I do this in SEMrush as well, but I know there's other tools for it. And um, I take a look at the keywords that the competitors are ranking for. Where are the gaps? What are they creating content or pages for that we are not? Um, we should be creating content and pages for everything that they are and trying to to meet them where they are and ultimately defeat them. Uh, <laughs> is <laughs> the ultimate goal. We're a little competitive here at Lean Labs. Um, But yeah, those are kinds of the kinds of the things. I think the most important thing to remember about keyword research is there's a lot of numbers involved in keyword research, right? You're looking at the difficulty scores. You're looking at the volume. You're looking at relevance, all of these things. So yes, there is a science to it, um, but it's an art and a science. Um, You know, I think if you were to say, well, what's the difficulty level we can go for. What's the what's the volume that we can't go below? Um, I don't know if for any of our clients, I have a hard and fast number for either of those things. It's kind of all about balance. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this post has a pretty low volume, but gosh, the difficulty is like a seven. <laughs> it is some green grass, right? We can right. corner that market easily. Um, and it might just be worth going for if it gets at the heart of what our customers are looking for and the value that they want from a post. Right. Yeah, I've definitely had some clients that they're in emerging markets. And so like not a yeah. lot of people are searching these terms. 
right? And so we take like the normal rules we would use for judging whether we should write this content. And now it's like, there's no volume here. So like, even if we had 100% of the search volume and wrote, you know, at least a post a week, we're going to have a couple hundred visitors like from these. Right. And like, and you're not going to get yeah. 100% of the volume. But that's the thing yeah. with, with an emerging so market like that. I feel like the important thing to remember is there's not a lot of search volume yet. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So right. If you, you, yes, maybe yeah, there won't be. But, mm, probably you're just first on the field, um, which is honestly a great right. place to be. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. We got our keywords, right? We have our the science and the art to selecting these. And then we need to create the actual titles that people are going to be enticed by. Um, what is your, what does your process look like for creating captivating yeah, titles? I, I love making headlines. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite parts of the job. I don't know why I find it so fun. Um, I think it's just, I think people like to make it a lot more challenging than it really is. Um, the most important thing for a headline mm-hmm. is, um, obviously you have the, the nitty gritty, um, pieces, right? You want to make sure that the keyword is in the headline, the keyword is near the front of the headline. So it doesn't get truncated if you know, the, the, the title is cut off and all of those things. Um, you need to have it be, you know, this many characters and yeah, all of that. But if you're looking at like the words, right, the actual writing of the headline itself, um, just be honest, be concise, be compelling, um, you know, you just don't want to make it a clickbaity title where, you know, cause all that's going to happen mm-hmm. if you write the most compelling title in the world, but it's like nothing to do with what's in the post or it's sort of related, but the post doesn't really answer it, uh, whatever. Um, you're, you're going to just get a bunch of people bouncing from that page. Uh, and it's going to ultimately hurt your ranking for that, that post, but you're, I mean, it's going to be bad for you. Don't, don't do that. Um, so just look at what the content Mm -hmm. of your post will be. What questions are people asking about this post? You know, I'll, I'll take the keyword and I'll search it and I'll look at what the SERP is. Um, what are other people writing about this post? What does Google, we'll go back to the Google gods, right? What does Google deem to be important about this keyword? Um, and you just kind of take that and you don't want to just copy exactly what everyone else is doing. Ultimately, you want to take what the most successfully ranking posts are doing, and then add a little spice, right? So you you want to not only mimic what the successful folks are doing, which is a part of it, because why reinvent the wheel? If someone has something that's not broke, you mm-hmm. don't need to fix it. Um, but then level it up a bit. What could you do to up the ante if someone is looking and comparing your headline to the one that's currently ranking number one? That's going to make them click on yours instead of theirs. Um, so I think that's really mm-hmm. ultimately the the key. And I know that sounds so simple, but that's the th- it just it it is. I think people get in their heads a lot about headlines, um, but it doesn't have to be so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to call it the gift of going yeah. second. And so I usually view it as like like I read a lot of books, right? Because someone else has right. already done this, and so I can go learn from them and then do it hopefully better. And that's the idea. Like they're passing this on so other people can do it better. Like we have the same with blog posts. Like other people are ranking, right. they're winning. So why don't Take we a look at what, do they're, what they're doing? doing exactly. And then see how we can do it even better. Uh, yeah, definitely an underappreciated tactic. Um, speaking of underappreciated tactics, let's just talk okay. mistakes. What are what are brands doing that they should <laughs> not be doing? 
Well, okay. First thing that brands are this is this is like a cheat answer, but I feel like one is that they're not creating content. <laughs> they're skipping. They're they're skipping doing blog content. Yeah. Um, you might think, oh, there's nothing I can do blog content for. Blog content doesn't work for my industry. Whatever. Um, you know, we had a client when I first started working at Lean Labs that was uh, professional janitorial services. Not necessarily the type of client that you would necessarily think, oh, there's going to be so many readers for this blog. Um, but, you know, we've even recently checked up, you know, even though they, they've moved on and and they're, you know, doing their own thing now with their marketing. But, um, you know, with the, our content is still performing fantastically for them. Um, so, yeah, everyone, if you have a company <laughs> that wants to reach people, um, you should be looking into creating content. Um, it can only help you. Um, however, it can hurt you if you do these mistakes. So I'll answer your question for real now. Um, <laughs> the first mistake that I see a lot, because um, I obviously read a ton of B2B blogs for research um, when I'm creating content. Um, first is me, me, me content, right? Uh, content that is completely centered around the brand. Um, where all they're doing is talking about themselves, their solution, their what they have to offer. And I understand the impulse to create this sort of content, right? You are trying to answer a question for your ideal customer. And of course, you think that your brand is the answer to that question. Why else would you be working for that brand? Why else would you have created this business, right? right. Um, but ultimately, that is not going to help build trust. Uh, they're just going to be like, oh, this is just another you know, snake oil salesman trying to get me. Um, so that is a mistake that I see a lot. Um, another mistake I see is really thin, sparse surface level content that doesn't yep. really provide a ton of value. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've clicked on a post and it is like two paragraphs, three paragraphs of almost nothing. Um, right. so like, sure you're publishing content, um, but it's not really answering the question. And again, to go right back. It, it, so to go back to the very first question we talked about on this episode, is it bringing new people to your site? Sure, if they click on it. But is it building that trust? Is it creating that relationship with this person? Is it making them go, oh, these guys get me and they understand what I'm struggling with and they're a brand that I'm maybe going to come back to. Maybe I'm going to think about. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, it just looks like you threw up some content for the sake of it, um, which is not really helpful to them or right. to you. Um, and the last one I'm going to say is not one that I've seen yet. This is just me putting my clairvoyant hat on. Um, <laughs> a, a mistake I'm expecting to see is loads of purely AI-generated content. Um, and that's, mm. you know, just content that they let an AI churn out, didn't even have a marketer look at and slapped on the website without proofreading. Um, returning to my fiction life, we are seeing this in the fiction realm already. There are small presses that are seeing novel submissions that are completely AI generated and shocker, they can tell it wasn't written by a human. Um, so I'm just expecting that we'll be yeah. seeing a lot of that in the coming days, months, years, um, in the marketing realm as well. Right. Yeah. I want to go yeah. deeper on the AI. Um, but I want to, one of the, one of the mistakes that I see all the time, and I don't know if it's a mistake, um, 
but p- companies will only publish updates yes. about their company. And so like, yeah, it's like me, 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 but they, they think people want to just read about these things. And like, it does send Google a nice signal saying like, hey, we are publishing, like that's positive, um, but it's super sparse and it's not actually doing anything to drive anything, uh, right? You're either building trust or trying to get someone to take an action. And so if you can't do either of those with the post, like, do you really need it? Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, no, I've seen that too. My head. Yeah. Uh, now it's out. So now let's go yeah. deeper on AI, right? So I, I guess I already know your opinion based on how you just uh, brought it up. But uh, what what are your other thoughts on like AI tools, you know, similar like ChatGPT and some other stuff that, that companies are making? Um, is this is this the end of content specialists? Am I getting fired? Is that what you're telling me? No. Uh, <laughs> no, you might be surprised no. at my answer based on my last answer. I am not against using AI in some capacity. So my my take mm-hmm. on AI for content creation uh, is that brands would be foolish to ignore it and equally foolish to lean on it entirely. Um, so I, I think that you need a human touch to uh, – you need to add human insights, human stories, uh, things that only your brand can add to the mm-hmm. post to make content that stands out. And I think this is right. going to be – increasingly true as um yeah everyone starts throwing out completely ai generated content imagine all of your competitors are generating a post completely generated from ai right like just imagine that that's the case how easy is it going to be to stand out if you just take your ai supported post and add some human insights right. add some human touches make sure that you are having a marketer actually touch it and spruce it up. Um, so I think that there is yeah. a place for AI support. Um, I think that AI can be really helpful in areas like outlines, meta descriptions, um, even checking a post after to see, hey, what other questions are people asking uh, about this topic that I haven't yet answered in this post, right? I think that AI can be a very yeah. useful tool in uh, preparing for and honing the creation of content. Um, but, and maybe it's a bit self preservation mindset, but I do think that there is still, um, a space and a role and the need for human touch in the creation of content. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's like AI levels the playing field. And so now it's not who can use AI to, to win. Like everyone has AI. And so. Now it's how well can you use it, you know, with the human touch in order to make stuff happen. Um, but yeah, like some, one of my favorite prompts to use is literally, hey, you are this target, um, you know, audience person. Let me uh, read this blog post. Yeah. Tell me what questions you have. And like you can just go deeper in your content. So even if you're one of these companies that has super sparse content, paste it. And put who your target audience is, and it'll give you more questions to answer within that post, right? Or you can even ask it, what would be a logical next step to um, to this post? And you can create yeah. lead magnets from that, like drive people. Like it's there's so many opportunities, but yeah, a lot of companies I think are just gonna create a blog post and use it. And I'm gonna fly. I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I was doing some reading about how there's there yes. are potential copyright issues because. Uh, so there was a, 
a guy who left his camera out somewhere in the jungle, right? Monkey picks up his camera, starts snapping pictures. Um, later, he gets the camera back and s- tries selling these photos, but can't actually sell them. Um, I don't know how the, the court proceeding came out, but basically because the monkey took the pictures, <laughs> the person does not actually own the rights to it. And it's similar with AI, and they're using that as like a precedent to, you know, to base all of this off. So like if AI created everything for you, what do you actually have? And so it's a really good idea to get in there, use that human set. Yes. Well, and even, um, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know enough about it to know if this is a real uh, threat. <laughs> but my fear with if I were to just generate something with AI and then throw it up on a company website without, you know, altering it, adjusting it, leveling it up with my own brain um, is – do I actually know where that language came from? You know, I would, if you're going to do right. that, if you are going to just throw things through an AI tool and throw it up on your website, at least run it through like Grammarly plagiarism checker first. Um, make sure that the AI mm-hmm. tool didn't lift language right from another post on the internet somewhere. Um, and then you're in deep water. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. Plagiarism, or even if it's just not yes. telling the truth, right? With like natural language processing. We're going to read it as if it's true, but it doesn't mean it is. And so you as the subject matter expert yes. need to be able to address that. Um, okay, that's <laughs> enough about AI. Everybody else is talking about it enough. Uh, let's just go to a final question here. What tips do you have for a marketer who's looking to create uh, blog content more efficiently? Yes. So I have a lot of tips um, for this and I'll, <laughs> I'll skip over my AI related tips. No, not really. I'll do them really fast first. <laughs> but, um, you know, these are some things I've been playing with recently um, and I haven't yet like honed my processes for this, but it is already helping me be even more efficient, um, which is do use AI to help generate outlines or at least headlines for, you know, the, the, or subheaders, right. For your post, just to see, you know, what other content is out there and and what direction you might want to start aiming in, right. It's a really great, uh, starting point, um, to, Mm -hmm. to kick yourself off. Um, it's a heck of a lot easier than staring at a blank page to try to get started. I'll tell you that even if you end up changing everything in the AI generated outline, it's just easier and makes you kind of get the ball rolling if there's something on the page. Um, but, uh, Stepping aside from AI, um, at Lean Labs, we batch all of our content, and I think that is a fantastic way to do things efficiently. So instead of writing one post, post it, one post, post it, uh, we do all of our posts in batches of four. Um, so you create, you know, you, you have one person that really just puts their head down and gets ready to create that content. Um all in one go when they're already in the mindset of writing, they're already in the mindset of outlining or creating, right? Um, And I think that that is incredibly efficient, A, in the day of writing, but also in the publishing schedule because then like, look at that. If you're publishing weekly, bam, now you have a month's worth of content. Um, All in one swing. Um, I also think that it's really important to outline first. Um, So again, what our part of our process is to create, you know, a really robust outline, um, do your research in that, right? Like so many stats that you're planning on using, any, um, you know, trends that you're going to talk about, right? Like pop them all in the outline. Um, And then, you know, especially I feel like this is important if you are not the subject matter expert. So, you know, we then take those outlines and go back to our clients and say, hey, is this 
the right angle to be going at this keyword for. Hey, do you can you add some insights here? Hey, are these the right subheadings that we should be talking about? Is this the language that your customers are using when they're talking yep. about the subject? Um, and then we do all of that before we write the content. Um, so from like a back end, you know, having to rewrite something after it's already created standpoint, uh, that is so much more efficient, <laughs> right? To just know right. that you are going to, you know, hit that bullseye with your content right from the get go, um, before you even begin the actual writing process. Um, I think that that is really helpful as well. Awesome. Okay. We covered a lot of ground. Um, specifically just around blog posts, almost 30 minutes on just uh, tons of content that I think will help people become better, more effective, more efficient blog writers. Uh, be skeptical about <laughs> AI, everybody. Uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, everyone's starting to acquire more visitors, get drive some action with their blog posts, and uh, we'll go from there. So thank you for joining me today. And thank everyone else for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And until next time, it's been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year. 